Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Samuel Bratton, and it's fall season, but we're not into chai lattes or uh, pumpkin spice lattes yet. It's the one and only, the coffee shop lover. It's Brandon Ellis, folks. It's true. We are not partakers of the PSL season. Have you had, you can be honest, Brandon, have you had the, uh, uh, the fall-ish drinks yet? The uh, well, pumpkin I'll be, spice? I'll be honest, Sam. I enjoy making my own coffee in the morning, and I did make a cinnamon nutmeg coffee oh. this morning. Well, I know my wife enjoys when we visit your house because there's coffee going to be made. <laughs> I uh, I think I had two, I had three cups before nine this morning. So she's uh she's been teaching me all kind of things: how to make coffee, how to fold towels correctly. I mastered that. I'm still working <laughs> on the uh, on folding shirts correctly, but uh, I'm getting husband trained as we speak. Are you a professional yet, Sam? Oh, one month is all you need to be a professional. <laughs> well, so my, my two years of experience, I consider myself still an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just keep on learning. Brandon, are you allowed to share your Halloween costume uh, that's coming up here? Or is that top secret? Oh, no, it's fine, Sam. I channeled, well, Hannah and I channeled our inner insurance agents, and she's going as Flo, and I'm going as Mr. Mayhem itself. You guys should, like, rent or buy a duck for the day, and that could be, like, a <laughs> <black> duck. <laughs> Sam going around, put them on a uh, leash. I think there's dogs at one of the uh, Halloween contests we're going to, so that could be a problem. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to one that's for dogs, which we kind of feel weird about. We're like, well... It'll be cute and fun, but the fact that our society does a Halloween party cir- or centered around dogs. <laughs> so now, funny. Sam, are you and the new Mrs. going as something? Yeah, we're going to be doing one of my childhood dreams have come true. We're going to be Space Jam. So I'm going to be Bugs Bunny and she'll be Lola Bunny. And of course, one of my buddies will be uh, one of my friends will be Michael Jordan and oh. I guess I guess we just need to put a headband on our dog and we'll be we'll be good to go. The the Toon Squad. You almost got a full team right there. Yeah. Basically we're the Toon Squad. Yeah. We, the Toon uh, Squad. <laughs> we just need a Tasmanian devil and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, if you find one of those, are are those extinct? No, I think they live in uh Australia or uh what do you call that? Uh the no, New they're Zealand. Endangered. They're not extinct, they're endangered. Don't they make like a horrible noise in the middle of the night like ah! <laughs> i know this should be terrifying they're on the island of tasmania i believe off the southeastern coast of australia well brandon you should just go out and get one make it your pet <laughs> and you'll never <laughs> you sleep again get you one by saturday <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything i've learned about tiger king you can find it if you ask the right questions <laughs> to the right people you can get your I'm hands sure. on for the for the price is right <laughs> i'm sure someone owns one <laughs> I mean, you're from Oklahoma, Brandon. Show your animal connections. I can I can wrangle a bison or two. <laughs> well, Brandon, I'm gonna have uh, for our trivia. I want you to do the top ten um, most consumed meat in the world. Most consumed oh. meat. Yep. So you're basically naming that animal, uh, essentially, or you know, you know what I mean. So, so like beef, for instance. That would be an example, yeah. You you don't and have to be more. 
You don't have to be more specific than that. Beef would be an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Here we go. And there's 10. <clears throat> what? And there's 10 options. There's top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Uh, I think this may be it's one of my It's probably going to be the 10 you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Beef, chicken, pork, lamb, mm-hmm. goat. Okay. There's five. Oh, uh, shoot. This is the part where it gets difficult. Yak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of these will be tough. Um, there's one you're gonna be kicking yourself if you don't get it though. <laughs> That's bird. Okay. All bird count. Well, you gotta be more specific than bird. Duck. Oh yeah. Okay, so seven. Okay, gotta get three more. Um, mm-hmm. this is gonna be bad. This is dog. <laughs> one? You could you could say that. So that'd be eight. Okay, I'll do that one. Fish. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Count? You could. Yeah, say that counts. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's on the list. It's on it's the list. It's gonna be hard to catch ten, so we'll just say it. That's nine. Yeah. And the, okay, the last one. Let's go. Um. Now think. Know. Think of uh, an important holiday for Americans. Turkey! Yeah, there it is. I was like, Rand's going to be kicking himself. Give me an alley-oop. I appreciate it. I just can't believe you said dog out loud, and my dog's sitting over here. (laughs) Don't don't listen to that. She doesn't understand. (laughs) She better not, or she's going to be scared to death. Because Brandon's not allowed to come visit. (laughs) (laughs) So, number uh, now, first off, which one do you think is number one? I think that's a better question. Oh, so I think in the United States... I'm going to go with chicken. I feel like chicken is number one. So number 10 is rabbit. Really? Yep. Number nine is goose. Okay. Number eight is buffalo meat. Mm -hmm. Number seven is duck. Number six is turkey. Five. Did you say goat? Five is goat. I did. Okay. And you cleaned up pretty much, but number four is lamb. Number three is beef. Number two is chicken. Number oh. one is pork. pork. Pork, really? Huh. Yeah. Yep. So there well, you go. I think I missed three <laughs> of them. Well, it feels like the first half, first six really were easy. And then after that, it's like just trying to think of a meat. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the rabbit one surprises me. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, since it's world, you do wonder, like, with other societies. That's why I thought your dog guess wasn't bad, but... Uh, yeah, um, I just didn't know. A buffalo, I mean, I'm sure that's, like, my assumption is that's water buffalo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, buffalo burger, that's a thing, right? A little buffalo meat in there, right? It is, but, man, let me tell you what. Those things are big when you get close to them. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I would not want to be trying to take on one of those... Do you know that my best friend's father-in-law growing up um, owns like 30 head of buffalo or American bison? What do you do with them? Do you actually use them for meat or you just own them to have them? I think he just owns them to have them. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a massive ranch, so it's it's not a problem. Now, Brandon, what's your review of the movie you saw last night? I wanted to ask you that. So I saw Killers of the Flower Moon last night, and Mm -hmm. it's – Do you recommend I do recommend it's filmed in Oklahoma. It's a long storyline, but it's pretty accurate compared to the book from what I remember it being. Is it a is it a long movie? I think it's over three hours. Holy cow. 
All right, well, I'll have to, I'll have to dedicate a night, maybe when my wife's working night shift or something. <laughs> it's a good movie. You should watch it. It's it's very sad, upsetting that people take advantage of people, but I think it's also a story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. Well, you know me. I'm a sucker for based on true story movies. Hence why we do our podcast, except it's not just based on true story. It is the truth. <laughs> it is the truth. You do can't you handle know, the truth. Do you know the mob? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? We're about to. <clears throat> so, Brandon, today we're going to do someone who's relatively famous. His name, uh, I hope I pronounce it right. You might have to correct me, Brandon. But Vincent Gigante, a.k.a. The Chin. So, Vincent The Chin Gigante. I know this one. G-I-G-A-N-T-E. He's Italian. So, uh, Man, but what be a new one for me, Sam. Usually I know him. Uh, you know, that's why we want to do this podcast so we could stump Brandon finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Vincent Gigante was born in 1928 in the Lower East Side of New York. His father, Salvador, and his mother, Yolanda, were Italian immigrants. So he was the, you know, what do you call that? Second generation immigrant, technically. Mm -hmm. Um, he was the youngest of five children and grew up in a poor but close knit family. The uh, Gigante's father was a laborer and family lived in a tenant building. When they say uh, labor, labor, Brandon, is that usually just a term of someone who just works any job they can kind of get, like manual labor, probably? Yeah, I think so. Typically, it's manual labor. Yeah, like, like, oh, I work at the docks and then, oh, I found this job and then this job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So despite their poverty, uh, Vincent's father, like your typical Italian father back then instilled value of hard work and education importance to his sons. Uh, Vincent attended a Catholic school and was a good student. However, he had a rebellious streak and often got into trouble, uh, which I feel like we get a lot of that. Uh, a bit, so he finally quit high school when he turned 16 to start his career as a boxer. So, Brandon, we've mm. seen a few boxers i feel like in this timeline it's kind of you know this is kind of weird i thought this other day i feel like boxing used to be more of like american sport that young boys would go into and now it is not nearly as popular like i guess our society's gotten soft it's <laughs> gotten soft you know it's interesting the the history of boxing too you see in the late 18th century or sorry 1800s Mm-hmm. Uh, late 19th century with boxing being a very big sport and you just hear people being famous for it, or even in the early 1900s too well i suppose there's a lot more sports options now but i tell you what brandon you should ask your wife after this podcast randomly be like hey what do you think if our kids someday uh learn to box go to boxing at eight nine ten years old <laughs> see what she I says mentioned, i mentioned getting a uh boxing like one of those boxing uh, mm-hmm. uh the uh, weights or the uh, yeah the, bag, the weights boxing the, bag, bag. the boxing bag boxing yeah. bag, um but usually it's only after bad days. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are good with like the boxing workouts, but they have issues with the actual uh, bouts, the actual con contest competition. That's when they're like, oh, too gruesome. But um, yeah. but anyways, so uh, eventually he quit school, came boxing. His boxing was. Between 1944 and 1947, he competed as a professional light heavyweight boxer under the nickname Chin, hence is why we hear his nickname. His mother's thick Italian accent pronounced his name as, uh, instead of Vincent, Chincenzo gave him the nickname Chin. So he also found, 
that nickname. Uh, he also had the nickname The Odd Father, which I thought was funny. And we're going to get into why that. And I thought about putting that on the title, but we'll stick with Chin because that's what he's known for. But Odd Father is definitely fitting toward his mobster career. <laughs> so Sounds like Godfather. Just, yeah. Despite his short career, he was able to make a pretty good boxing career. He won 21 of his 25 matches. Now, wow. Yeah, young Vincent became involved with Vito Genovese, a very famous one we did earlier, earlier, earlier on. Yep. He was a reputable mafia boss and later became the his protege. Genovese won the youngster's love when he paid for a medical procedure for his mom. So obviously, you know, close ties like that. Uh, Vincent soon began to hang out with street gangs and got involved in illegal activities, including robberies and break-ins. From the long streak of petty and ruthless crimes committed, it was apparent he was passionate about his mob apprenticeship. By 25, Vincent had already stacked up no less than seven arrests. Now, Brandon, by the time you were 25, would you say you, that's seven more than you had? <laughs> I would say it's seven more than I had. That's that. Those are impressive numbers to put up. <laughs> Somehow he managed to avoid facing serious charges during this period. In his late 20s, uh, Vincent went no longer was no longer a foot soldier so he kind of moved up instead he amassed enough notoriety to earn himself a place as an enforcer in the family brandon we've seen plenty of uh, enforcers in mm -hmm. this uh in this podcast it's a good way uh, to get higher up in the in the in the he, organization you know that's the problem with kids these days they don't know how to start from the bottom <laughs> that's as an enforcer <laughs> so genovese's took out frank costello because he was mad lucky luciano didn't choose him so Castillo somehow survived the hit, but refused to give a name. The doorman uh, gave a description of the shooter, who ended up detailing Vincent Gigante. The charges were eventually dropped, though, due to lack of evidence. How convenient. <laughs> However, the incident was enough to force Costello into retirement. We've learned about that. So Vincent thanked him for his service, and he had gotten the message. Despite avoiding two years incarceration in 1957, Gigante and his mentor were later convicted in 1959. Both men were arranged on counts of heroin peddling and sentenced to serve seven to 14 years in prison. Nothing like some good old heroin to get you in prison. <laughs> um, five years after jail, Gigante got parole. His mentor was not as lucky, though. In the meantime, Vincent's criminal career kept progressing. And the years after he got out, he was promoted from a foot soldier to a capo. Brandon, I think that means captain, a capo. Sounds right to me. Might be, might be the Italian phrase of that or the slang term. Uh, the promotion, however, wasn't all good news to Vincent. His position as a capo now meant he had been bumped higher on law enforcement's priority list. Uh, another way to say this, he became a bigger fish in a smaller pond. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely one way to put it. So, Brandon, this is where we get into the Odd Father nickname, okay? Uh, law enforcement secured an arrest warrant to indict Vincent Gigante in a bribery conspiracy, where police officers from the police tipped off in exchange for regular payoffs. Gigante went above and beyond to avoid prosecution. His plan was to fake mental illness and insanity. Now, Brandon, this is, is a way of doing this in court. I know my first instinct is the Batman... Uh, begins movie i think when uh, the guy fakes uh, or he gets people off with fake insanity um mm. but but can you explain for us because that is a real thing in trial mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so the journal of psychiatric practice wrote 
in an article, a defendant must be found not guilty by reason of sanity if, at the time of the alleged offense and as a result of severe mental disease or defect, he did not know what he was doing or that what he was doing was wrong. For the purpose of this statute, mental disease or defect does not include a condition for which the only or primary manifestation of chronic antisocial or illegal behavior. So that's kind of what it is, but more importantly, what is insanity defense? Not. It does not include momentary, temporary conditions arising from the pressure of the circumstances, moral decadence, depravity, or passion growing out of anger, jealousy, revenge, hatred, or other motives in a person who does not suffer from a mental disease. So if mm-hmm. I'm drunk one night doing something, or if I'm really angry, or someone pressures me to do it, that does not qualify as an insanity defense. So I think the mobster we're highlighting, he knew this. He researched it, so he had to keep it up. So this was not like you have to be committed. <laughs> so he was pretending to be insane. Yeah. So overnight, wow. Vincent Gigante became a person with a mental health condition, suffering from paranoid uh, and schizophrenia. It's pretty funny when you know he's faking it. Overnight. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just overnight. Gigante was very thorough with his ruse. His lawyers could present an official diagnosis from practicing psychiatrist at the court, which was enough for the judge to deem him unfit for trial. He was cleared of all allegations. Wow. Vince, yeah, no. Vincent championed a peaceful transition into power after early retirement to Philip Lombardo, the previous family head. As soon as he took the reins of power, Gigante beefed up internal security procedures. If someone needed to refer to him, they were to mention his name under no circumstance. They could either form a C using hand signs or squeeze their chin. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm just I'm trying to get some stuff off my face. Sorry, man. <laughs> well, I can definitely say we haven't heard this before. So this is pretty neat. That's cool. Um, all of a sudden, he became invisible in the mafia world. Law enforcement couldn't get any dirt on him when they never heard his name. So that's a good point, too, if someone's ever wired or something. Yeah. Um, Gigante didn't stop at that. He also upped his public display of health issues. He walked the streets of his neighborhood half naked in only a bathrobe and nightgown. He would uh, converse one-sidedly with stationary objects and even started peeing publicly. (laughs) (laughs) His antics got him the nickname Oddfather. Wouldn't peeing publicly nowadays, that would be uh, like public indecency, right? Yeah, indecent exposure, yeah. But I I guess if you have a mental illness, then you get off of it. I don't know. I mean, here's the question. If you're outside walking in your running shorts and slippers, <laughs> would that qualify as insane? No, you and I might be uh, considered insane. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff we did for running, maybe. But anyway. I've, I've literally had a couple of kids, like, yell out, he's naked. <laughs> and their dad's like, no, he's not. He just has no shirt on. <laughs> like, it is awkward. So Vincent was generally committed to his act between 1969 all the way to 1995. He was, co- oh yeah, I know. yeah, he was in it for the long run. He was committed to different psychiatric hospitals on no less than 24 instances. He wow. didn't even have to forge the reports. <laughs> <laughs> the many doctors and nurses that attended to him through these years were more than enough alibi for him. His brother was a priest and also stood up for him. That's ironic. <laughs> 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 so before long, the Genovese crime family had grown into the country's largest mafia organizations. You know, our listeners have probably heard of the Genovese family. Oh, yeah. um, 
Vincent brought in the family's operations in loan sharking, extortion, bookmaking, and bid rigging, bid rigging for infrastructure projects in New York City. One of the big examples is the uh, New York City Housing Authority. Brandon, what exactly is bid rigging when it comes to infrastructure and such? Yeah, absolutely. So, per Investopedia, bid rigging is an illegal mm-hmm. practice in which competing parties collude to determine the winner of a bidding process. Bid rigging is a form of anti-competitive collusion and is an act of market manipulation. It undermines the bidding process and can result in a rig price that's higher than what might have resulted in a free market. So, this is illegal because of the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890, uh, and it's punishable by U.S. law. Bid rigging is a felony, punishable by fines, imprisonment, and is illegal in majority of other countries outside the United States. So basically, yeah. it's if we were both, you know, going on a project, and you're going to bump the price up, but then I was going to come over you, and then they go with me, but that was we had planned ahead of time that I was going to go for that price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, at its peak, Vincent brought in the family $100 million annually by doing this. Nice. So that's, yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> in um, 1990, when he and other 14 other defendants, they were indicted on federal charges in, Bro- in Brooklyn for bid rigging. Uh, Vincent's elaborate act of insanity was put to the ultimate test. Uh, four of the five New York crime families had manipulated bids, so this was something they were all doing. Uh, for the New York City Housing Authority. Following these accusations, Vincent was indicted in 1993 on suspicion of conspiring to murder several mob figures and three further counts of murder conspiracy. Yeah. Um, So his hands weren't exactly clean. One of which was a mob hit on John Gotti, who we did. So Mm -hmm. Uh, for years during these trials, Vincent's attorneys offered fabricated proof Uh, The charade went on for years with one insanity hearing after another derailing the trial. So basically just, yeah, pushing it back and back. (laughs) Um, Finally, after back and forth that lasted for half a decade, the presiding judge eventually ruled against Vincent's insanity plea. So finally came to an end. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I know. Took that long, though. In 1997, the court served Vincent with a 12-year prison term after the jury found him guilty of racketeering and conspiracy to murder. Uh, he allegedly managed the Genovese family when he, while he was incarcerated up until 2003. An exciting turn of events. Gigante eventually, after more than four decades, admitted to fabricating his mental illness. That's how we know it was fake, because he finally admitted wow. it. <laughs> this happened when he was presented with a plea deal to reduce his sentence, so there was a reason. <laughs> yeah. In the end, it didn't matter, though, because in 2005, he died while serving time. He was 77 years old, so a lot older than most of our men. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too. You don't we have had very few situations where it's gone up to 2000 in our cases. The the fact he kept insanity, fake insanity for that long. That's impressive. Yeah, I know. That's some commitment. Hey, you know, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. <laughs> you gotta do it. Do it up there. As Brady would say, kind of respectable. <laughs> kind of impressed. I don't respect it, but I'm impressed. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for listening to Do You Know the Mob. We appreciate your support. I'm your co-host, Sam Brandon. And this is Brandon Ellis. Signing off.